I am Aaron Rodgers, the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. Hey, uh, numbnuts, we're recording now. <laughs> All right, I'm Joey Svensson, the pastor. And I am Jared Svensson, the pastor's big brother that can still kick the pastor's ass. <laughs> and this is the pastor with no answers. Hey, uh, Joey, how's mom and dad? Oh, they're good, man. They're good. Who do you think's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I do not have any doubt. I will put, mark me down, man. Put this on the record. Green Bay Packers. Big surprise. <laughs> uh, you think that Clemson deserves to be number six in the AP right now? I would say absolutely, most definitely, no doubt in my mind, number six in the nation. They should be maybe even ranked higher. My I, second, I second that for sure. All right, so what's better, Domino's or Pizza Hut? Uh, Pizza Hut got old, and they're they're careless and lazy with how they put pizzas together. Domino's up and coming. Domino's definitely. You sure have a lot of answers for a pastor with no answers. <laughs> Cold busted. All right, I get the picture. Well, anyway, this is the pastor with no answers, and today we are going to be talking a little bit about speaking in tongues. We're going to be joined by two of our friends and just have a casual, laid-back conversation on a not so casual and i would say not so laid back topic of discussion jared you and i have a lot of an experience with the whole speaking in tongues thing but before we get into that i do want to thank everyone for listening to our last podcast uh, as we speak right now we just released it and we're at number five it'll be very interesting to see whether or not we can beat joyce miller uh, Joyce Myers, Joyce Meyer, <laughs> Tim Keller, or Joel Osteen. You guys are the only ones really standing in the way. Except, Make it happen. Yeah, except for who was the other podcast? Sound True Insights of the Edge. That sounds Whoa. very new age. Agey. Yeah, for intense. sure. All right, and for those of you that uh, enjoyed that last conversation, I actually had a a text conversation with our friend Jack and then Dan Koch, who was on the episode. They had some really interesting thoughts on, hey, why would God stop the redemption process once people have passed away, you know, from their physical mortal bodies? Why would he stop trying to redeem things? Interesting conversation, to say the least, and you can find that at badchristian.com forward slash pwna hell forever so that's badchristian.com forward slash pwna hell forever and you can also you know follow us on twitter now at at pwna pod so that's at pwna pod all right so jared i told you before we started that i was going to put you on the spot so here's here's oh what i'm gonna Lord. ask yeah so basically four questions and those four questions you have to give me a percent so a number, a percent, and you cannot do any explanations following it. You just have to give me a number, and uh, yeah, sorry if that makes you uncomfortable. That's what we're going to uh, do. It is what it is. It Bring is. it on, bro. All right, so when it comes to speaking in tongues, generally in a church service, what percentage of people speaking in tongues do you think are fakers? So they're purposely, <laughs> purposely faking. I'm going to have to say 40%. All right, 40% per, 
purposely trying to deceive others into thinking that they're speaking in tongues. All right. Number two, what percent of people are deceived into thinking that they're speaking in tongues? So they're, they're making the noises and they think that they're doing this whole speaking in tongue things, but they're not. They're just so making it can be, noises. It, it can be self-deceit, right? Like nothing sinister, just... I mean, exactly. Be, but, okay. No, no, no. They, they are definitely innocent. Hey, I think I'm doing this whole speaking okay. in tongue things. Okay. Yeah, so I, I guess I would say uh, 20%. 20%. All right. Yeah. How about percent of uh, unbelievers that visit a church service? How many of them are freaked out when they hear speaking in tongues? 100%. <laughs> All right. What percent of people speaking in tongues went home to willingly commit overt sin? Yikes. So basically, I spoke in tongues at church, and now I'm going to go hit up my porn, or I'm going to get on a phone call and talk about someone, or I am going to... Okay, so so these people are either those who are self-deceived into thinking... No, 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 no. They're really speaking in tongues. Really? Okay. Uh, out of those people, I would say 33%. Interesting. Interesting. So... You and I, we we were both raised up in very Pentecostal churches, and uh, we can we could talk for hours of the things that we've seen. But I, I do want to reflect on one memory that I have, and I'm curious as to whether or not you have this memory. So I know you know the name Robert Pilgrim. All right, absolutely. So yep. he was an evangelist that came to our church annually. Let's just say, let's just say that he puts the maniac and charismaniac. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and you said once before that he would make the best hardcore vocals oh, ever. For sure. Yeah. It once definitely. he gets started, like he he he'll be talking like this, and he'll say, "And when the name of Jesus gets on you, you will die." The next thing I, don't I mean, even he's say in, black metal. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like hardcore black metal, almost Zayos. Yeah, it's intense, man. Yeah, like, like if people had YouTube videos of him and they could put music to it, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'd, I'd listen to it. Man. Yeah. All right, so I remember him, and and I'm not going to say this other guy's name. I don't mind saying Robert Pilgrim because, in fact, if you know Robert Pilgrim, please tell him to reach out to us. We would love to uh, be in touch with you because <laughs> it would just. I was a guest too. It would bring, yes, it'd bring back great <laughs> memories. All right, so. Robert Pilgrim, he looked back at the guy at the sound booth. All right, and Jared, you probably know who the guy was that was sitting back there. And he he said, the the devil has deceived you, and he has caused you to sit back there complacently, to sit there uh, and making the excuse of sitting at the soundboard. God has a blessing for you right now, but you have to run right now and get it. And so this guy, he's the most laid-back guy at our church. <laughs> yep. Yep. stands up and starts running down the aisle. And I'm telling you, if if uh, Robert Pilgrim, Pastor Evangelist Pilgrim, puts his hand out to the guy's head and meets him, and it was almost like a shockwave of electricity. Now, it probably was just the palm of his hand that knocked him down. But, like the Russian sickle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> either way, do you remember that? He ran I full do. speed. I do. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and met Pilgrim for his blessing. So yeah. that was, I was I was terrified. Yeah. I was I dreaded this guy coming to our church. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was scary to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think a- for me for me the this one of the craziest things he did is when he had the entire congregation leave the actual church building and walk around the building seven times <laughs> to replicate the whole, you know, walls of Jericho thing. And I actually did not do it. I, I, I flat out refused to do that. I thought that how, was absolutely ridiculous. How old were you when you refused? I must that? have been like probably 
15 or 16, I was like, enough is enough. I'm definitely not doing this. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy, you, you have to hand it to him. I think super funny. And now, now looking back on it, I'm like, man, that's really messed up. But, man, he, <laughs> he used to mock people that would raise their hands in a certain way oh, to yeah. make it look yeah. nice and neat. And he would, right. like, say, some people put their hands this way. And then he would actually take his two hands and put them up to, to like, their hearts. And he said, and some people they raise their hands and they're ashamed of Jesus. So they don't want anyone to know that they're raising their hands. He's like, when the Holy Spirit gets upon you, you will put your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. No, he didn't say hip hop like that. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I, Jared, I think I can speak for both of us, but I won't. I will say that I do believe, you know, we're, we're having some fun here. Uh, and, it, and it really is. We're reflecting on our childhood, and this this was a huge part of our lives, this guy coming yearly, uh, because uh, from our perspective, or at least from my perspective, maybe Jared was a little uh, more jaded, but I really thought, man, this guy is bringing major impact to our church. People's lives are going to be changed. People are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, slain in the Spirit, healed, and all that stuff. And it really was a spectacle every single yes. night he came. There was at least a hundred or you know eighty people that would go up to the front, and you would see crazy things happen. So at the very least, it was very entertaining. But I would say, me personally, I still do believe in genuine moves of the Holy Spirit. I'm just way more skeptical and jaded at at the things that we went through as we were when we were kids, because it just doesn't seem yeah. like it was done in a healthy nor biblical way. That's, that's what I'm saying, because let's say you had somebody who was genuinely seeking God happen to show up at one of those nights. They're probably scarred for life, Right. I would think. Yeah. I know I would be. I would never come back. And I would probably say, this stuff is cuckoo. I'm never, ever going to set foot in a church again. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, if you want to have like a maybe, you know, a small group, I think that's better. Probably a better environment where we're all like-minded. You know each other well. Right. But in a, in a mass church setting, I just don't know how great of a witness that is. But that's just me. Okay, well, we are joining our guests here, uh, Chip Judd and Jack Hoy, to discuss this whole topic of speaking in tongues. For some of you, the thought of those noises coming out of people's mouths is very freaky and uh, very intimidating, where some of you, I mean, it's like home, man. You hear that, and it just brings you home. I think my brother and I, we have a unique perspective. Well, not I wouldn't say unique. A lot of people have our perspective, but... We were brought up in very hardcore Pentecostal churches where I don't think there's anything that we could see now that we would be surprised of. So, um, yeah, I, I tell you what, let me ask real quick, Jack, what's your background as far as have, did you have any upbringing in Pentecostal backgrounds? Uh, no, no, not any upbringing. I, uh, I grew up in, uh, I mean, sort of churches like Seacoast, uh, non-denominational yeah. churches. Um where where this sort of thing comes into play for me is in high school um, for, gosh, I'm not sure, maybe a year, year and a half, um, I, I got involved uh, kind of on the side attending this uh, youth group at another church in town that was very, very Pentecostal. And I, you know, for, for like I said, about a year, year and a half, I was super into that, super excited by it, um, thought it was amazing. And so, and so that was a part of my life for a while. Um, but it you know didn't really have anything to do with uh, upbringing or parents or anything like that. 
All right. What? What? Joey, I want to correct what? you for a moment too. Um, one thing that would totally freak me out is snake handling. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's cray. That's, true. Yeah, that's with, cray, man. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We have not encountered that. Good call. Um, or, or drinking poison. So that's true. Yep. Um, Chip, how about you? Uh, I guess snapshot from childhood to adulthood. I mean, are you? Um, I, you know, I affectionately say I was raised American heathen, meaning we did not go to church. I have one memory of going to church. It was on an Easter. My mom, I, I can remember holding my mom's hand. It was a United Methodist Church. I don't know why I remember all that, but um, that's it. I had one, I'm number six of seven, I had one sister who was a Christian, so there was no real sense of God, whatever. Uh, yet, I, I, in all my college years in the 70s, drugs, sex, rock and roll, if you'd have asked me if you could be like anyone in history, who would it be? I would have said Jesus Christ. Wow. And um, met the Lord very passionately and aggressively in uh, uh, 76, 22-ish, 23. And you were tripping on what when you accepted Christ? I'd just what? gotten married. <laughs> <laughs> I had just gotten married and knew that I had just ruined this woman's life because I could not behave myself. Yeah. And uh, found somebody bigger than me that could help me. Awesome. And um, it was in a, in a, a unashamedly non-denominational charismatic environment. Right. And so I've never known any, I've never known an environment that, that wasn't very open to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Jared, have you spoken in tongues? Yes. Chip, have you spoken in tongues? All the time. Jack, spoken in tongues? I thought I did, but I'm not so sure. And I would say that I'm pretty sure that I have and moderately somewhat right I, I was telling chip and i think he was being really nice to me but i was like you know <laughs> i'm pretty sure that i speak in tongues but i guess it doesn't matter because i know god's hearing me and at the very least he's like oh that is so cute he's talking to me and it's <laughs> it's not speaking in tongues but, but i still hear him and i still love him <laughs> All right, so uh, the question is, is is there such thing as a spiritual gift called speaking in tongues? And I guess we'd have to say today, here in 2015, to separate the existentialist, um, you know, because there's there's certainly room for people to believe that it used to be, uh, but now it isn't. So the question is, is it in existence today? And I guess if so, what is it? How do we know we have it? How do we know what it is? So... Um, I believe it's something that people can be really confused about. I know that I have been and probably still am. And I, But here's, I'll go ahead and give you my two minutes, and uh, then we'll go around and give everybody their two-minute opening statement here. And I am crazy with my clock, so let me start that. All right, so I believe uh, there is such thing as speaking in tongues, uh, but I don't think it's what happened uh, at Pentecost, I, I see Pentecost as possibly being a one-time deal that at that moment when the church was birthed, um, God gave people the ability to speak other languages. Um, it doesn't seem, and, and you guys are going to quickly recognize just how novice I am in this subject area, but it just seems like when people speak in tongues now, uh, it's a major exception to the rule for it to be 
uh, sensible, real words in another language. I think there was an example, Jared, uh, you remember Mama Dawson? Um, she, she was saying the same word over and over, uh, out loud. And it was, you know, totally acceptable in our church services. And someone looked up the meaning of that word and there was a Greek or Hebrew translation. And it was like a, something of adoration to God. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, that's crazy. Blew me away. But I believe typically when people are speaking in tongues, it's the Romans eight twenty six deal. And I'll just read that real quick. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So that's what I believe is, is really going on when people speak in tongues. At least if I'm speaking in tongues, that's what I believe is happening to me. I just believe the Spirit is praying through me, and I don't really know exactly what I'm praying for. I believe we all have. Uh, th- this is what may um, separate me from a lot of people. I was raised up to believe that this is kind of the second level of believing. I actually believe that if you're going to speak in tongues, you-, you could do it right when you're saved. The Holy Spirit comes in, and we could have a prayer language if God wants us to. Uh, I don't really see it as something that we receive after being saved. Like, okay, now you need to be prayed for for this additional thing. Uh, maybe we could pray that God would open our eyes to what it is, but as far as receiving something additional, I, I don't see that at all. So that's me. Went over five seconds. My bad. Uh, let's let's just go. I tell you what. Let's go from one brother to the next. Jared, where are you at with this? I guess you and I are pretty similar with this. Um, All right, cool. I so that's it. Uh, not quite it, All right, but go ahead. I'll give you back your five seconds. Um, <laughs> I do think though that it is a private, for the most part, a private prayer language. I mean, I do think the Bible makes it pretty clear that if you are going to do it in public. It should be such to where it can be translated as prophecy to edify the rest of the church. Um, I, I do think that in charismatic or charismaniac churches, um, it's probably abused, you know, to where everyone just kind of does it whenever they want to do it. Right. And it turns into kind of a chaotic frenzy. And I think maybe people who aren't believers get freaked out, and rightfully so. Even believers like me would get freaked out, and I think rightfully so. Yeah. Um, but I, I do believe that there is, you know, speaking in tongues. I know for me personally, there have been at least two occasions where. I've been praying with someone, praying for someone, and then I started praying in tongues quietly to myself. And then I come to find out later on that this person who I I really didn't know the backstory too well, this person was having a terrible, terrible time in their life. Yeah. And I feel like the Holy Spirit was interceding through me. I had no idea, but I think the Holy Spirit obviously did know and was interceding through me. So for me, it's very real. I don't I'm not a frequent speaker of tongues, but I have done it in the past. I do believe that it is real, but I do believe also that it can be, for some people, um, too much of a focus, um, too much, too closely associated with salvation, um, and I think I think it can be abused. Yeah. So. All right. How about you, Chip? Um, I would agree with a certain amount of that. Uh, I definitely think it's been abused. Uh, to use uh, Jared's phrase, associated with salvation, I completely agree that's inappropriate. Uh, I definitely believe it's in some circles been seen as a second level yeah. of something, uh, some kind of a badge of uh, maturity or whatever. So I would agree on all of that as to its um, sort of take it or leave it nonchalance. I probably would not agree with that. Gotcha. Now, I wouldn't put it on the level of essential. I would put it on the level of would you rather dig a ditch with a shovel or a backhoe? Get out. So 
Uh, I like it. So, in other words, I I don't or a bulldozer. Yeah, I would never put it in the category. Why would you dig a hole with a bulldozer? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, whatever. How would that even happen? That'd be a neat trick. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about it's it's all about bang for your buck, power, whatever. But not not in the creepy way. And again, any any I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I've been creeped out by the. I I don't like to say I'm Pentecostal. Yeah. But by definition of the word, I am Pentecostal by biblically. But I'm not Pentecostal, and it's not it's current terminology. But I believe there's just a lot of misunderstanding about it. I believe if people properly walk through Scripture, put it in its proper place, uh, used it properly. I think it'd be like, wow, I want some of that. Right. And uh and we can talk about that, I assume, on the show. I, I don't think I don't think it should be divisive. Um but I don't think it should be discounted because some people have abused it either. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Jack. Yeah, so I, I, with um well I actually so just to answer the question, is it around today? I yes. I mean I I, I would say yes, I don't have any problem with that. Um you know, when you talk about tongues, two things. One uh, is the idea that uh, in in the Bible there's sort of two ideas of what tongues are. One is uh, speaking in other languages, and one is kind of what we've called prayer language. Um, and in in terms of speaking in other languages, I think that's what you see in Acts two at Pentecost, um, because you have the the people who are who are around in in the crowd. Uh, they hear the, these people talking, and and they say what. Well, we we hear them in our own languages. What's what's going on? And and so I, I think there's there's certainly an in, in, uh, instance of where you know God can uh, give you the ability to speak in a language that you didn't know before. Uh, and um, I, I you know I actually Chip might be able to speak to that better than I. But I've I've certainly you know uh, I've got a lot of missionaries uh, in my family, and you know I've I've heard stories of people who you know went to the field not speaking the language well, and they were you know able to speak it and uh and and i've got no no trouble believing that I, and i don't really see it that's sort of one of those things where if you believe in god i'm not sure why that the possibility of that would would bother you at all so so for that uh yeah and, and obviously that seems to be on a on a need basis right um like if if you're if you're just kind of working a job in charleston south carolina i don't think you're going to suddenly acquire the ability to speak farsi um <laughs> Uh, because why? But, you know, if you're going out in the field and you need to speak a language, I could certainly see that happening. So, so in other words, with speaking other languages on a need basis, with prayer language, uh, part of my hesitancy there is just because with my own past, it's just kind of such a messy thing with that. And when I look back on my experience speaking in tongues, frankly, I tend to doubt any of it was real. Um and and so so because of that that kind of colors how i see that and and you know if i'm being real honest i just don't have a whole lot of confidence that i've ever encountered that in a way that to me was believable and now i'm not i'm not saying i, I definitely think it's it's fake or or whatever i not saying that at all it's it's more to me i just I, I that's what i have a hard time with is is sort of the prayer language side of things and i got no trouble admitting that that's a large part because i don't necessarily understand uh the purpose and uh yeah so are you are you ma- just so i'm hearing you right are you making a distinction between 
speaking in tongues, that was at Pentecost with a prayer language. That's Romans eight twenty six. Well, I mean, tongues tongues means either of those things. Okay. And and I think one of the things in in Corinthians when Paul talk First Corinthians where Paul talks to them about tongues is he actually compares the tongues that they're speaking in to speaking in another human language, which suggests that there's a distinction between those two. Yeah. So, so I, I guess I guess what I what I would say because I do want to be clear. What I would say is it's not that I think that prayer language isn't a thing. It's more that um, I I don't know I don't know how it's meant to be operative in the normal life of a church, and I don't know that it is meant to be a normal part of worship. So I guess that's kind of where I am. Gotcha. Now, Chip, what can I respond to that? Joe? Yeah. I was going to say two things. Number one is I do think that it's a gift that not everyone has. And number two, I think that it's not really a church level thing. I think it's more of a personal thing to where if you do have that gift, a prayer language is the ability for the Holy Spirit to intercede through you for things you may or may not be aware of. So it does sound kind of mystical and things like that, but that's just kind of how I see it. And that's how my experience with it has been. It's been a very personal thing. So Chip, what do you say to... uh Jared's statement of it's, it's not a gift that everyone has. Uh, let me just say, well, I'm thinking it, since I didn't answer your do I think it's for today. Right. Just 1 Corinthians 14 in itself should be proof that it is an, an ongoing gift. Why would Paul take a chapter of the Bible to explain the use of something that was going to pass away? So that just seems a little ridiculous. I agree with that. So, so whatever, to that. Now, what would you just say? to it's not for everyone yeah i think it comes back to the just the basic understanding of what it is like like if if i could just forgive me if i sound a little teacherish here but if i could just ask you to just focus on one thought what is speaking tongues and if you look at first corinthians 14 verse 14 it says this if i pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful if I pray, what is praying in tongues? It's my spirit praying, not my mind. Most of our prayers are mind-driven, not spirit-driven. Many places, Scripture talks about uh, praying at all times in the spirit. Right. I've always wanted to ask somebody, and maybe in a minute, you guys answer the question: What does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the spirit? I think it means literally to pray in, by, and with your spirit. Yeah. So here it is in 1 Corinthians 14. He's explaining to me, it, it, again, I've been in this so long, it's so simple to me. The distinction is simple. In a gathering of believers, don't babble in a language nobody understands. Right. He starts the whole chapter off by saying, pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why? Because the other person can understand that. One who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men but to God for no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Oh, well, that's stupid and worthless. No, that's not what he said. He goes on to say, one who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, exhortation, and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. <clears throat> for anyone to think speaking in tongues is worthless, they, they, they just don't understand Scripture. Jude chapter 20 says, Jude verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up, building yourself up. I don't know about you guys, but to face what I have to face day in and day out, I want to be built up in the Spirit. Yeah. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Sounds pretty good so far. How do I do that? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So what What would you, uh, like, let's get real 
personal here. What would you say to someone like Jack and then maybe even myself, how I, how I articulated it. But Jack, obviously I would say is someone that wants God's greatest will for his life. Uh, he has been open to, uh, the gift of speaking in tongues to the point where he reflects on experiences that at least at the time, well, maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong, but here he is in his thirties, correct? Thirties. Yes. All, All right. right. And it was very flattering. <laughs> oh, were you talking to me? Maybe. I don't know. Depends. But here he is in his thirties and uh-huh. he can honestly say, I there's doubt with everything he's ever experienced. What, right. what, what do you say to that? Cause it seems like he wants that, God wants to give it, so where's the problem? I mean, it's interesting to me, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, the natural man receives nothing from the spirit because it's foolishness to him. Uh, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. There is no two ways about it. There is absolutely no two, two ways about it. Speaking in tongues is one of the most irrational things you'll ever do in your life. Yeah. Unless you believe what the Bible says about it. If you believe what the Bible says about it, then when I pray in a tongue, my spirit is praying a language that I my mind does not understand, and it's uttering mysteries. What is a mystery? Known to insiders, unknown to outsiders. In other words, I believe it's God and my spirit talking at a level that my brain and God can't talk. What is what's the out what's the what's the benefit to me? Um all kinds of things. Yeah, I, I I feel stronger. I feel crisper and clearer. I I I go into a situation two days later and I think, wow, that prayer the other day is what got me through that. There's a there's a transcendence to it, if you will. There's a there's a praying not to beyond myself, but from beyond myself. If that makes sense. Yeah, and it. it it, it, there's no two, for me, you can't properly wrap your head around praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit, unless you believe in the tri, triunity of man, that we are, that we are First Thessalonians 5.23, that you be sanctified entirely or wholly, your spirit, soul, and body preserved blameless at the coming of Christ. So if I'm spirit... I'm soul, mind, will, and emotions. That would be soul to me. And then body. When I pray in tongues, it's my it's a delightful way to say to my mind, shut up, you can't handle this. And for my spirit to take the ascendancy. And is it irrational? Yes, very definitely. So why and uh let me ask you this, Jack. Like, do you think when Paul talks about gifts, does it sound to you that some people speak in tongues? The implication being that other people don't. Some people translate tongues. The implication that some people don't. Because I know I've never come close to translating tongues. And there's been opportunities where I could have. But there wasn't even the slightest notion of saying, hey, you you tell everybody (laughs) what that person just said. (laughs) And I'm thankful that God didn't tell me. But, I mean, do you think, uh, how do you feel... And I'm not necessarily putting words in Chip's mouth, but how do you feel when someone says, "No, everybody should speak in tongues"? You're missing I didn't out. I say should. You're right, but some some people would say that you're I missing did, out. I didn't though. Okay, Chip did not. But someone that says, "Hey, you're missing out on God's plan for you if you don't speak in tongues." Like, 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I certainly don't. Uh, you know, with tongues in particular, I don't. I don't see that. But I mean, the very idea that something is a gift means that some people have it and some don't. I mean, if if every single believer was supposed to have every single one of those things, we wouldn't say here are gifts that some people have. We'd say this is what it means to just be a Christian. And I think that, gosh, I don't know. This is not wasn't I, like I don't want to go too far down kind of a different a different path here that I wasn't really thinking I was going to talk about with the, like the, the gifts are, are hard to talk about because you know they're different lists and does everybody have some of the things you know what are, are some of the things just aspects of being a Christian or some roles or some gifts I mean with with this with the particularly like the miraculous gifts like tongues prophecy I I mean I, I to me, and I'd like to rechip things, but to me it's clear that that's something not everybody has. And the very idea is that, uh, if, particularly in First Corinthians, is that they were allowing their use of these things to just create chaos. And the, the idea is that you know, worship should be orderly, and that means the gifts functioning together. And one of the things you see Paul talk about is the fact that you know, we all have roles and we all have particular gifts, and those things are meant to function together in an orderly way. So, I mean, I, I guess that's a very long way of saying, yeah, I mean, to me, it seems clear that not everyone has every gift. But I'd, I'd be interested to hear what Chip thinks. You want me to answer? Yeah. Um, Acts 2, 8, 10, 19. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Yeah. Those are the encounters of the early church with what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In every case, tongues are specifically mentioned, I think, except one. I think tongues were considered normal in the yeah. early church. Um, I think the distinction is, and, and even in the listing of the gifts, the distinction in the listing of the gifts is the distinction between a tool for self-edification and a gift for ministry to others. Yeah. And that's the key now. The gifts are and if you read if you if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 30 and 14 discerningly, you'll see Paul oscillate, if that's the right word, back and forth from when I'm in the presence of others in the church, I do this. Like like listen to this. Uh, after he's done his little dissertation about if I pray in a tongue, he says in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 14, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. He's a Southerner. However, in the church, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church. Right. Chip Judd would say to you, I thank God I speak in tongues, apparently more than all three of you put together. Right. <laughs> but on this call, I'm not going to speak in tongues. Right. Why? Speaking in tongues on the drive up here, on the drive after I leave here, which I will do, I'm edifying myself. If I were to do it right now, I'm not edifying you. Right. So tongues is a tool, if you will. So, so for me, yes, it is available to every believer can have a personal prayer language, I believe. Right. But I would not make a big deal of it, and it does create this kind of like oh, what's wrong with me sort of thing. So I don't really like to talk about it a lot anymore. Well, here's an interesting question. Could you, right now, at the drop of a hat, start speaking in tongues? Yes. Okay, so it's not like this, God has to do this supernatural no, thing old, for you. that's an old Pentecostal. But it's also connected to the, the, the confusion over in a, in a service. I've been in a service 
where the where the worship was heavenly and the anointing, the presence of God was so thick you could you're afraid to open your eyes, and there was this pressure inside of me. Yeah, and out blur- blurted a message in tongues, but that was a message for the whole room, and across the room somebody speaks the the interpretation, right. and it edified the it charged the whole room with a sense of God's immediate presence. Now, could you also right now at the drop of a hat? mimic yourself speaking in tongues like could you make the same noises that i don't you... think so i mean obviously i could get pretty close <laughs> well I, you know that's that's because that's that, that's actually kind of a question that I, I wanted to ask is so so anyone can talk in gibberish but that isn't necessarily speaking in tongues so, to, so so one of the questions i have is so so what is the difference between just making noises and speaking in tongues, which I sort of what you were saying with the right, could you and, imitate it. And for me, it's how do I know the difference? Yeah, right. Like how how do I know if I'm? Uh, and and again, I used to really stress out about this. It used to be because mm-hmm. the churches I grew up in, they made you stressed out about it. I yeah. mean, and, and that's so, that's why you almost want to avoid the conversation because right. it's that's that's just not the point. Right. But I think I think for me, there is this confusion that I feel, and and I mean this. Maybe this is just me and how I relate to God and, and God, and this is how he works with me. But I feel on this side of heaven, I'll never be 100% sure if I'm speaking in tongues. And I'm actually okay with that because yeah. I really do. I, I know we were chuckling about that analogy, but I really do think if I'm trying to focus on God and I feel like I'm maybe speaking in tongues, it's doing something because God's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my child. He's interacting with me. Mm-hmm. Certainly not bad for me. you know. I mean, I'm... I'm probably close to as radical on this subject in my personal application yeah. as anyone you'll ever meet. Yeah. What do I, why did I say it that way? I am the exact opposite. I am 100% airtight. I know that I know. Yeah. I've just had too many encounters with God. I've had, I've had too, many, too many intimate, unexplainable, supernatural. Uh, it's just... So be brutally honest with me. When you hear me depict what's going on in my mind, do you think, yeah, well, then he's probably not? Or do you think, man, that's a shame that, not not shameful, but, man, that's unfortunate that Joey can't believe that God is doing that. I, I, I think one of the biggest things we've got to deal with is this. What is one of the greatest hindrances to people embracing God for who he is? And I would say it's our intellect. Yeah. I could just stop right there. One of the greatest hindrances to receiving from God is our intellect. So is my intellect keeping me from speaking in tongues, or is it keeping me from believing that I'm speaking in tongues? I would say the second part. Yeah. Because here's the deal. Luke chapter 11, I think it is, Jesus asks, seek, knock, and all that. And he says, what father, if you came and asked for bread, would give you stone, uh, fish, snake, whatever? And then he says... So how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit? And and again, there's a there's a there's a there's this teasing faith thing buried in there. If if you're genuinely, purely, without twisted motives, you know God. I've, I've, here's what happened to me. I was around people that were doing all this. Yeah. I just read the scriptures. Why do I know two eight ten and nineteen? 
because I've known that for 39 years. Because 39 years ago, I studied it over and over and over. I went to First Corinthians. I went here, went there, went yonder. And what I came away with was this. You know what, God? I believe you want me to speak in tongues. Right. Not in front of people, but in my own personal prayer journey. And, and it would, to be honest with you, it was very unemotional. It was very un-Pentecostal. Right. I went back to church. I, went, I drove Colleen home. And I said, baby, I said, I just feel like tonight's, I want to get this settled. Took her home, got her settled, went back to the church. Two guys were left straightening up chairs. I walked in the door. I said, guys, I think it's time for me to receive the baptism of speaking tongues. Right. They said, well, let's pray for it. I hit, I went on my knees. They prayed for me. I started talking in tongues. I stood up, shook their hands, said, thank you. See you at church Sunday. Yeah. And I've been speaking in tongues ever since. That's great. What What do you think when you hear Chip say, "There's no doubt in his mind"? Well, you know, actually, because you like Chip, you respect Chip. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's you, you, I can tell exactly what it made me think of, and that was the last time that I ever spoke in tongues because I remember this, um, and because I remember being in my room at home, I was in high school, and uh, I was praying in tongues, and I just remember thinking. Uh, I remember thinking, this feels like nonsense. And not necessarily... The intellect. Not, Got him. Well, you know, perhaps. <laughs> but, but also the, the sense that at the very least, at the very least, I was not praying in my spirit, mm-hmm. I'd say. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so uh, not necessarily that... Again, not necessarily... I wasn't necessarily thinking tongues are gibberish. It was really much more, um, I'm, I feel separated from God right now. This this prayer feels like there's something like this is just not working. I mean, just like like any any kind of regular prayer mm-hmm. that you would be thinking to yeah. yourself, this is not uh, this is not working for me. And for whatever reason, just never never did it ever again. Which could have been Satan. Sure, absolutely, yeah. But yeah, so that's what, that's what that made me think of was just sort of this that moment of mm-hmm. mm, no, nah, I, I don't think so. I mean, again, all I I. I I, I'm not comfortable making a big deal of this because I know it makes people feel like, oh, you got something I don't or whatever. Right. And that's not my intention at any level with anybody. But it has meant so, so much to me in my life. Right. I mean, Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you. Why did this guy say that? Right. He didn't say that for some arrogant, prideful thing. He said it because of what it had done for him. Right. And I would say the same thing. So that's why I'm passionate about it. And I would say from that passion that the greatest hindrance is it is foolishness. Yeah. But there's kind of some scripture about that. Yeah. When you encounter foolishness, there's more of a scriptural basis that you're in the right place than you're in the wrong place. What do you think about pastors that go in and out from speaking in tongues to their sermon? I think... I think they're perfectly allowed to do that, but they've learned how to work a crowd, and they've, <laughs> they're playing to a culture. Why would they be? Why would that be okay to do that? Though? I, I didn't say it was okay. It's or maybe I did. It's they're they're in a world that in that world that's an acceptable way to behave. Right. And to be honest with you, I used to do some of that. Yeah. Um, and in that world, dude, we we used to have worships on Sunday morning. 
we would sing in the Spirit. And by the way, is that biblical? Yes, it's biblical right here in 1 Corinthians 14. For if I pray in time, my spirit prays, my mind's unfruitful. What am I, what's the outcome then? I will pray with my spirit. I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my spirit. I'll sing with my mind also. So we would have services where we'd sing worship like anybody does, and then we would we would call it catch a rift in the spirit. Yeah. And we'd sing in the spirit for 30, 45 minutes. Is there any chance that singing or praying in the spirit could be just real? Because there are times when I'm praying in English and it start like I've, I've heard somebody and it may have been, um, oh man, E.M. Bounds. Yeah. It may have been yeah. him that said, sometimes you have to pray until you're really praying. Yeah. But that didn't necessarily for me mean that I was praying English until it went into praying in the spirit. But right. I did feel like I went from praying in English casually to praying in English in the spirit. I mean, so you yeah. can you take those passages not necessarily to mean speaking in tongues, or that would be how you read it? Or I I I would not argue about it. I do think it's dodging the point. Yeah. I mean, we. we, we I think we play with the word spirit right. when the scripture's not playing with it. Right. I don't think when 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 it says John in the book of Revelation was in the spirit on the Lord's day, yeah. I don't think that meant he was happy. I think it meant he was in the spirit. Yeah. I think the spirit realm is real. And I think I don't know how to define it, but I think being in the spirit is maybe fifty one percent more rare of that realm than this. Yeah. So I think when we dodge that and we say, well, I, was, I just was praying really passionately. I think I was praying in the Spirit. I, I think it, w- it could be Spirit-led prayer, right. but I don't think that, that's what the I'm, – I'm of the opinion, I don't think that's what the Scripture means. Just like I would, I've heard pastors say that prophesying is anointed preaching. Right. And I think that's patently absurd. Yeah. <laughs> but – Jared, do you remember um, Christian Skate Night? It was on a Monday night. Christian Skate Night. Do y'all, do y'all remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh it, was, it was the best stuff ever, man. <laughs> if, if you showed up at Christian Skate Night with a Guns N' Roses shirt on, you had to Ooh. get out of there. <laughs> <You're>, we, <laughs> did, we didn't want to save you. We wanted you the heck out of our clique. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, Jared, you, you, were, you were home from college, and it was just you and I. I, I mean, this, this sounds crazy, but I remember uh, relatively where we were sitting and uh, at the uh, now looking back, I realized that I was just chemically imbalanced and very depressed. Back then, I didn't really know that. But you, you asked me, you were asking me questions along the lines of what's going on with me spiritually, and and then I think you kind of said something along the lines of, well, you know, at least you have the joy of the Lord. At least you know that you're saved. And I said, yeah, I don't even know. I, I kind of snapped at you. Said, yeah, I don't even know if I have that. And you were, I don't know if you remember this, but you were very alarmed. And uh, we drove down the road to a vacant uh, flea market and you prayed for me and spoke in tongues. Do you remember that? Dude, I've, I guess I vaguely remember that, but I don't remember the flea market part, but I remember the conversation. Right. So you don't remember for speaking sure. in tongues in the car? Not really. No, no. So that, then you. I'm not saying it didn't happen. It, right. Huh? I was just going to say, well, then you don't believe in speaking in tongues. So. Um, what are you talking I'm about? Just <laughs> I'm just thinking it probably totally happened. I just don't remember it. Well, that that uh, I was going to ask. Jack, well, I feel like I'm kind of like in this little family moment I know, here. This is awesome. I, I, I feel a little embarrassed. And like, so we were holding we, hands. Should we mute our mics or something? I don't know. 
No, so, uh, so I guess why I asked that, uh, though, is when you reflect on those sorts of things, because I remember you telling me in college, like, you seriously, in college, you went through a very, because I'm, I'm home in high school, and I'm hearing how you're doing, and you definitely went through a solid, I would say, year and a half where you were just totally consumed with God, the Holy Spirit, uh, apparently going to the lake by yourself and speaking in tongues a lot. And then you went through, I would say, a good two years where it was kind of like you, I don't know if you would call it rebellion or, or what, but just almost not even living for God. It, at least that's how my little ears was hearing everything. But when you reflect on those moments of speaking in tongues, do you have the 100% most confidence that that's what that was, or do you struggle with doubt? No, I don't struggle with doubt. Yeah. I feel like I feel like my intellect could get into the could get into the way so much to where it would crush any kind of doubt. But I'm so sure of it. I don't let it doesn't happen. Like I'm to me is like 100 percent real. And why? And and I why are you so sure? I would sure? say because I would say because a lot of the times I had like real encounters afterwards to where like I was saying the first the, the one of the experiences when I was praying with someone I had no idea where that person was. And then it just kind of happened. And then I found out later on this person was having a really, really tough time struggling with drugs, alcohol addiction, all kind of stuff. Yeah. There's no way I could have known that. And I, all of a sudden, it just, it just hit me. It wasn't like I was trying to do it. You know what I'm saying? So the, those kinds of situations is what convinced me that it's 100% So after real. you prayed for well, dad, I, did you call him and tell him that you prayed for him? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I, I, guess, I guess the point here, too, is I felt no pressure. Yeah. It wasn't like I was pressured to do it. It was totally just me. It was it was almost an isolation to where I was doing it almost in a whispery voice to where really no one probably could hear me, um, and so when you put those things together and then and then af- the aftermath where I found out the reality of the situation, those three things together, I mean to me that's why I'm 100 percent convinced that it was 100 percent real. Mm-hmm. So, but I, but at the same time though I, I still believe I guess I'm more um, believing that it's it's kind of a, it's a gift. It's not everyone's going to have it. Just like you know the the gift of teaching. Um, not everyone has that. I, I still believe it's a gift. Yeah. But. It almost seems like, uh, and Chip, you'll really think this is a cop out, I think, but it almost <laughs> seems like even could be a denominational gift. Like there are certain people that God has gifted to be able to speak in tongues and they all congregate together because they all get it where you have whole denominations that are just like, that's the craziest, freakiest thing ever. And that could be the result of a belief or lack of belief, like people are going to congregate with each other that kind of believe similarly, but yeah. for sure we have Christians and brothers and sisters all over the world. They're just like, keep that stuff away, which. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And, and, and even some of the things I referred to a few minutes ago, I don't think some of what we did was wise. Like I went to our, my church, the church that I planted and pastored for 24 years to the our 30th anniversary couple months ago yeah and i told him i said you know what the the best way to summarize us in our early years is we were if we were hungry but not wise yeah and we were very self-indulgent is the way i would say it now we 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 thought we were doing what we what god wanted but we were really doing what we wanted because god wanted us to honor scripture and scripture clearly talks about there's a time and a place for all this stuff and my thing is let's not relegate it out of the house there is a time and a place, and you can be much wiser about it. You can use it much more effectively. But the way to do that is not exile it from the house, right. in my opinion. Right. And just because it's mentally disturbing, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it stirs consternation. Let's not stop. I think it's worth wrestling with. Yeah. 
I really do. I, uh, and I'm saying that based on 39 years of, I would not be the man that I am today. I would not have the marriage I have today. I, and again, you might be saying, well, big deal. But I wouldn't be where I am doing what I'm doing, I don't think, if it weren't for the grace of God giving me a radical commitment to 39 years, basically, of pretty aggressive commitment to praying in tongues. Yeah. Jack, when you hear... And that's where the whole, that's where the whole personal edification comes yes, into play. Yes, exactly. And I totally buy into that. Yeah. Jack, when you hear, you know, Chip talk with that and sort Excuse of me one second, Joey. Let me just say that. He, Jared made me think of this. I don't think anybody around here has heard me pray in tongues. I have. Have you? Yeah. When? Um, I think one time you didn't know the microphone was on. And you're oh, yeah, at the thing. Yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> All right. At the Whoops. Thing. <laughs> My point, though, is it, it is... I'm very committed to per, to honoring that line, but whatever. Forgive right. me. Forgive me. So for when that. when you hear Chip talk with like such assurance, does does that sound appealing to you, or are you at a place where it's just like I don't just see I don't see the big deal. I just don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, anyone talking with any degree of confidence appeals to my crippling insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> Has nothing to do I with mean, speaking in tongues. Uh, you're like, man, I wish yeah, I was confident. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I guess when 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 I hear you know Chip talking about that and in the way he is like you're saying, you, you know it, it makes me think kind of two simultaneous things. One is, yes, that sounds fantastic, um, and and the other thing is, uh, so if it if it is a gift for everyone, then obviously yes, I should pursue that. If it's not, then you know, kind of my question, and, and this might be my intellect getting in the way, is, um, is that something I should pursue? Uh, or is it is it something that uh, perhaps God wants me to do without? In the sense of, um, I mean, not, not everything is as is, is easy for everybody, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And, you, you know, one, one of the things I really enjoy, uh, one of the reasons I really enjoy talking, cho- yeah, let me try again. I enjoy talking with Chip is because he and I are so different. Mm. Uh, you know, we we see God in very different ways, and we we kind of I think um, interact with him in very different ways. And that's really I, I know that's been really good for me because it reminds me of all of the things that I'm often not mindful of. Um, on the other hand, you know, God doesn't want me to become Chip 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it would be an upgrade if yeah, I'm just well, hey. um, <laughs> you know he wants me to be who he created me to be yeah and and so I guess that's my question is would pursuing that diminish who God made me to be or enhance it and I don't know the answer to that mm-hmm. well how do you define pursue like if you're going to obsess over it then I would say absolutely not but if you take it to the Lord in prayer honestly sincerely then I, what's the harm in that you know but my challenge to anybody, anybody, all you guys and anybody listening, my challenge would be to, and I know this is almost impossible, definitely very, very, very difficult, but my challenge would be do your best to wipe the slate clean and and go to Scripture and do a fervent, in, 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 you know, uh, as, poss- as, as deep as possible, study of it, chasing all the rabbits that it opens up. I mean, Paul opens 1 Corinthians 14 by saying, pursue earnestly the spiritual gifts. And that word is literally lust after. 
It means to covet them. So he's not saying, you know, it's just really not a big deal. It doesn't really matter. Now, I, don't, I know he's not talking about tongues per se, right. but he's talking about the, the things of the Spirit in general. So, again, obviously I have a position here, but I believe, we, I believe most of us that have positions are not because we've studied it out ourselves. It's because we've heard the positions of the cultures we were raised in, ran into some walls here, there, and yonder, yeah. and just said, you know, that's just a little weird and hard. Instead of going to Scripture, I there's nothing I've said that I don't feel confident I could take you to a significant number of Scriptures to support. Um, and and that's part of that's part of why when there's times, Joey, like earlier, are there ever times you, you you're praying in the Spirit and you think, dude, this is stupid. Yeah, maybe. Right. But but my go to would be the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But this scripture says this, and this one says this, and I'm like, you know what? That's good enough for me. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell you, uh, tell tell you guys something, uh, Jared. Oh, Jack, here we go. Yeah. I don't. Uh, <laughs> is this gonna be like a commitment of <laughs> I gotta sympathize? Yeah. Or? So Jared, you'll you'll know you'll know what church this is, get but I clean, get some Kleenex. Right. I, <laughs> I don't want to tell. I don't want to say the church publicly, but it was a church that Jared and I uh, grew up most of our childhood in, and um, I know a guy that uh, now goes to the same uh, church that I go to, but went to this church after me and Jared had attended, and so it was a new pastor. I don't have any relationship with this pastor, but he told me of a conversation that happened, and uh, it was it was one of the Pentecostal denominations. I just don't want to be any more revealing to that. But he wanted to take a step further, uh, take a step forward in ministry and become a pastor or whatever. And so uh, he had to fill out like an application. And one of the questions was, you know, do you speak in tongues? Right. And so he answered no to that. So he sat down with the pastor who had the utmost confidence in this guy leading ministry. I mean, was just to- totally generous with compliments and you know, just loved this guy. And now it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So we had a serious conversation. He's just like, you, you say that you can't speak in tongues and basically said, this is an issue. I mean, this is a major problem. Um, this will keep you from pursuing, you know, a higher level of, of leadership in this denomination. And so uh, the, my friend's response was, well, man, I'm having a hard time with this. It seems like you take someone like Billy Graham, who it doesn't seem like he spoke in tongues, didn't believe in that, you know, having a Baptist background, not all Baptists, you know, don't believe in that. But he said, I mean, look at all the stuff Billy Billy Graham did. You know what the pastor said? (laughs) He said, well, just think of what Billy Graham could have done (laughs) if he spoke in tongues. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's commitment to your belief system. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's commitment. You got to give the guy grades for that. So you would definitely call <laughs> BS on that. I mean, oh, it's just ridiculous. That's part of the, that's part of the horror of why I, my, that's my that's why I feel great to challenge you to do what I said earlier to just forget all that silliness and go right. to scripture and see what it says. Right. Because it isn't a my lord. I, part of what helped why I'm glad to be where I am. I'm not there anymore in right. that circle. Part of why is I knew lots of Christians who would run from someone speaking in tongues who had more fruit-bearing character lives yeah. than the tongue talkers. And so there's no, there's no, to say there's no connection isn't fair to say, but it's definitely not that kind of a right. connection. And the tongue it's talkers. It's not a litmus test for crying out right. loud. And what you would call tongue talkers, I think a lot of people have this uh, fallacious, uh, I, I, uh, 
perception of them in, in the sense of, well, those are the real spiritual people where I've heard pastor Greg say one thing that confused him in those uh, denominations were the lady that was speaking in tongues yeah. super loudly was also saying horrible things about people dude, behind their backs. Dude, I mean, pastoring my church, the meanest, most insecure believers and leaders, pastors, yeah. the meanest and most insecure I have ever been around were of a Pentecostal persuasion. Right. My best fellowship was with, in Georgetown when I was up the road, was with my dear Baptist brothers so how, how do you explain that would you say speaking in tongues didn't do any good for those guys it it didn't do as much good as it could because of how they were using it how right. they were seeing it how they were how they were framing it and it was it was it was like you said earlier in your opening comments it was like this this escalation of of level of christianity and it's not that at all right which seems to me uh, I, you guys probably know the exact verse, but uh, God's gifts are irrevocable. Yeah. So we we can have a gift and misuse it. Oh my lord! You know, yeah. and and God doesn't nec- you know take it back. See, I, see I, would, I would even say this, Joey, that speaking in tongues is not an elevation. It's just it's what the opposite. It's a it's a humbling. Right. Speaking in tongues is a humbling, because what I'm saying is God that you could do something that I don't understand and it could still be valid and useful. And when I'm praying. Quite honestly, what I'm saying is this. Holy Spirit, you know how to pray better than I do. Right. How about take this one for me? Right. So a couple of things I want to close with, more questions than anything, is um, the whole, uh, I I don't know if we've all been a part of these certain things. I know uh, my brother and I have, but what's our response to the directional stuff of, okay, we're going to lay hands on you, and we just want you to start saying stuff. <laughs> like, whatever noises come to your head, just say them. Um, to me, I don't, I don't, that kind of stuff, I'm just like, why, why do you have to tell someone to start saying noises? Um, I don't know what you think about that, Jack or Jared, Chip, but, I mean, is that how, how would you walk I mean, someone through? No. You know, in Acts 2, 8, 10, 19, it was people entering into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That that you're describing is focusing on a very small manifestation of an encounter, and that's just the—you're not focusing on the right part of the deal. My thing is— to focus on the relationship that's this is this is just like I would pray with you and say hey you know let's let's pray the sinner's prayer and connect you to Jesus for me let's connect you to the Holy Spirit yeah and again you guys know me I want to go to the third one I want to connect right. you to the Father I believe the Trinity needs to be embraced fully and completely I know they're one but for some reason they are distinguished in Scripture. Right. So for me, that's what the baptism and all this is, and, and focusing on a manifestation is just absurd. Now, now visiting back, do you, do you see a distinction between what happened at Pentecost and then the groanings that Paul talks about? Are those two different things, or you kind of just see them as same same deal? So in other words, the Pentecost, when people are speaking a different language and people can see, oh my gosh, they're speaking in different languages, is there a difference between that and someone you know, saying ta-ta-ta, la-la-la, that sort of thing. I mean, I I would probably say there is a place where 
uh, I think it's in Corinthians, I'm not sure, where he talks about the tongues of men and of angels. Yeah. So I would say it's very possible that there's times when you're praying in, praying in the Spirit, right. that you may be praying in earthly language, and there's times you may not be praying in earthly language. Gotcha. And I don't have any problem with that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, my biggest distinction is in the presence of other people for the purpose of their edification, I'm not going to be speaking in tongues. Gotcha. Even with other people who are at home at peace with this, I, like let's just say all three of us were committed to this position that I have. We could be in this room and all of us be talking in tongues, but it's because we're not trying to talk to each other. We're talking to God. Right. We could. Pr- none of us would have a problem with all three of us praying at the same time right. in English. Right. Well, why couldn't we do it in tongues? Right. But that's not that's not a message in tongues. Right. And I do want to say to all of our listeners too, if you have ever made fun of people speaking in tongues, uh, you did commit the unpardonable sin. <laughs> you did blaspheme. <laughs> Game over. Totally, totally kidding. If you're listening, I don't want to scare you. Not Hope the case you didn't at all. Shut it off right there. Yeah. You know my my dad. Uh, he, and and he actually wrote about this. He remembers. I think we were at. Uh, Disney World or something like that and Jared and I were playing video games and he actually said and he said I don't know why it came out either he said because I've never said this before in this sort of manner but he was just like holy ghost and he said that literally plagued him uh-huh. for I don't I don't know if it was a year or two where he's just like that's yeah. it I screwed myself big time <laughs> like wow. I just blasphemed the Holy Spirit <laughs> Um, so last thing is how are we to handle this or does it even matter as far as our relationship with unbelievers? And do you think when, um, when the scripture says, be careful what you do in the presence of unbelievers, you know, they may think that you're out of your minds. Y'all are y'all familiar with that passage? Do you think that's what they're talking about, Jack, as far as the craziness of speaking in tongues and that sort of thing? Yeah. I, I mean, Yeah. Yeah, I'll just keep it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. Because, dude, my church, when I look back on it now, we were just stupid. Yeah. I mean, bless their hearts, some of these ladies would finally get their husband to come to church. Right. And we would act so ridiculous. There's no way on earth they were coming back. Right. <laughs> now, now, we were, we were, we were convinced that the presence of God would break through and get them. Right. But we were just ignorant. Right. I'll never forget, and <laughs> but we scared the mess out of lots right. of people. Listen to this. So there's a there's a guy at our church, and he he was total believer. No one had any doubts that he was a believer. Um, he even helped with the worship team, um, but he was very very uh, non-expression yeah. uh, full when it comes to you know running around the church and yelling and jumping up and down. <laughs> he didn't do all that stuff, and I'll never like forget. Right, right. And I'll never forget the Sunday night where he took off running and after the service, I overheard someone else say, and I'll I'll just say that his name was Bob. He said, I've been praying that God would work in Bob's life like that for so many years. So in other words, he took running around the church as, well, God did it. That's all he needed. He just needed that lap. (laughs) Now he's okay. (laughs) This is probably bordering on getting ugly, right? But one of my most, discouraging moments early in my ministry i was up the road there and uh i was with another few other pastors of pentecostal persuasion and they were having revival at the church 
and I couldn't believe how they how they described revival. They were having revival, and the way they knew was X number of people got saved again, and there were people putting their cigarettes on the altar. <laughs> and that, and that, and I just thought we've reduced Calvary Pentecost <laughs> and all of church history to getting saved again, right. which is an issue to me and a pack of cigarettes on the altar. And I thought, <laughs> God help me. My, uh, no praise no, be. I thought no wonder the world <laughs> doesn't take us seriously. Right. <laughs> we, uh, we had like a, uh, <laughs> we're just roasting the church now. <laughs> uh, so we, we had like a big, uh, it wasn't Halloween party. It was like some sort of a harvest deal and that's okay. I, hallelujah yeah, party. Yeah. Hallelujah night. Yeah. Or something. yeah. And, uh, but one, one of the, uh, one of the booths or games, was a bunch of records stacked up against oh, yeah. the wall, and you could take a softball on, and, baby. And, and crash it. Well, my girlfriend at the time saw that one of them was like a Beatles record, and she was just like, hey, can I please have that record? They were like, no way. It has to be destroyed. <laughs> and she's like, no, I really want it to play on my record player. It's got to be destroyed. <laughs> now, Joey, can I say a somewhat redeeming thought about church yeah. stuff? Oh come on! When I, I, no, I, no, 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 no! I'm kidding. Okay, because we're. But here's how. Here's part of how God helped me through all that. Yeah. When I was wrestling with this, I honestly, when God started to deal with me about being where we landed was this: we wanted to be spirit sensitive but visitor friendly. Yeah. And so I'm thinking. I felt like I was I was blaspheming the Holy Spirit the way we were changing things. But this is the the metaphor God gave me, and it was the rooms of a house. Yeah. And. What I felt like God said to me was, you have a living room, you have a kitchen, a bathroom, a bedroom. And then it was just this simple thought. You and your wife do things in the bedroom right. alone you would never do in the living room in front of company. Yeah. And I instantly got it. That is true. <laughs> and I instantly got that we were doing things on Sunday morning in our living room yeah. In front of people that had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. We what we were doing in and of itself was not wrong. But it was the context in which we were doing it. And I I my my thing now is let's let's have a great living room and that's our weekend. Right. But let's figure out how to have bedroom times with God. And that doesn't mean it's just me and God. It can be a, a thousand of us right. that are going after God with such intimacy and passion. But that's the purpose of the meeting. Right. And that just like, did it for me. That analogy doesn't work with Jared and his wife, but for the rest of us, that makes complete <laughs> sense. Oh. <laughs> Man, no, no. why'd you just say that, dude? <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think that was a great conversation. And uh, thank you guys. Jared, do you have anything else? Jack, Chip, anybody? No. All right. Good stuff. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, yeah, if, if you're going to listen to Chip, figure it out right now. If you're going to listen to Jack, it doesn't matter. All right, thanks for listening to Pastor With No Answers. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash BC Pastor. And you can also follow us on Twitter at at PWNA Pod. Um, yeah, it was fun, Jared. Absolutely, as All right. always. All right, see everybody next week where we'll be talking about whether or not Genesis, the first book of the Bible, should be taken literally. See you guys next week. <laughs>